Bonjour, bienvenue pour un nouvel épisode de Pacify Your Mind. Je suis Adeline Torcol et je suis votre hôte sur ce podcast. Pacify Your Mind, c'est le podcast qui remet le bien-être et de la conscience dans votre mission de professionnel expatrié. Aujourd'hui, je suis ravie d'accueillir Maria-Louise Gad Junstensen. Un nom aux accents nordiques puisque Maria est danoise vivant à Bruxelles. Nous avons travaillé chacune pour l'Union Européenne à Bruxelles et partageons une passion commune pour le développement personnel et l'envie d'aider les femmes à cheminer en accord avec elles-mêmes. En lançant mon podcast Pacify Your Mind, j'avais en tête une liste très précise de personnes que je souhaitais inviter. Maria en fait partie. Elle aide, selon ses mots, en tant que coach, les femmes expatriées à créer la vie de leurs rêves. Dans cet épisode, avec Maria, nous avons abordé le challenge de concilier le bien-être au travail et la performance, les principales croyances ou pensées limitantes que nous avons en tant que femmes, la puissance de notre voix intérieure qu'on sous-estime, qui peut devenir notre guide au quotidien, et l'impact du Covid sur nos vies personnelles et professionnelles. Vous l'aurez compris, c'est un épisode axé Empowerment. Laissez-vous emporter par la voix chaleureuse et douce de Maria, qui partage ici avec nous sa passion et aussi elle nous livre des exercices très concrets pour vous reconnecter à votre voix intérieure. À toutes les femmes expats résidant ici à Bruxelles ou ailleurs, cet épisode est pour vous. Je tiens à préciser que cet épisode est en anglais, donc je propose un résumé en français à la fin de l'épisode. Bonne écoute Welcome Maria to Pacify Your Mind podcast. I'm very happy to have you today. As you know, this uh, podcast is for professional expatriates. You're a Danish woman living here in uh, Brussels. Maybe my first question to you to connect with your story Could you tell us uh, what made up your mind to live here in, uh, in Brussels? Yes, and thank you for inviting me. Um, I came to Brussels 22 years ago for a six-month traineeship. And while I was here, I fell in love with the city. It's, it was not only the international vibe, but it was also its rich cultural life and its many possibilities. And I've lived here since. And previously in my life, I've lived in Brazil twice. I would like now to talk about uh, the main topics of this uh, podcast, which is about well-being at work, how to find this right balance between your well-being and performance at work. It is a big challenge in itself. And sometimes by looking for um, performance, we tend to disconnect from our own emotion. So today, I would like to uh, look at this issue with you from a female perspective. That's why I invited you, because you work as a coach for female expats. So could you tell us how did you come uh, first to this role as a coach and why female expats? Yes, my journey towards coaching, that started five years ago. And it started with a coaching session in my living room with my coach at the time. And I had a really big shift in that session. And that shift is the reason why I'm a coach today. But before I tell more about that session, I would like to give some background. Until a few months before that session, I had worked for 15 years in the EU institutions. And I really loved working there, both due to the task I was doing, but also the whole international environment. It's, I always found that it, it really gives an extra dimension to the work, being so many nationalities together where we inspire each other and learn from each other's different approaches. I really enjoyed that. The first 13 years, they were really fun, interesting and really meaningful. And I really had the feeling that my colleagues and me, we were, we were really making a difference. So that feeling of meaning But the last two years was a different experience. And to be honest, I was miserable. I was working in a unit where there was a very toxic working environment with a lot of frustration and negativity and division within the team. And it was, well, being in that environment, uh, people reacted very differently to, to that. The way that I reacted was... I really took in all that negativity. And over time, that while I was there, it, I just felt I became more and more angry, more and more irritated. And that resulted over time in that, that I couldn't sleep. I cried often and it just became worse and worse, really, from that point. 
So I reached a point where I had a choice. I could either go further down that negative spiral towards stress and negativity, or I could choose my well-being. I could choose me. And I chose the latter, and I left. So, and then fast forward a few months to that coaching session. And what created that shift in me was that what we did was a, a values analysis. And that can be done in many different ways. But the way that, that my coach did it was that through a lot of questions, we identified my seven, eight core values. And he asked me to write each value on a blank paper and put it somewhere on the floor in my living room. And when I've done that, and I did that one by one, and I placed them where I wanted them to be on the floor, and, and then he asked me to take a step back and look at my map. And I did that, and I was standing there looking at those papers on our floor from one to the other, and tears just started run down my face because I realized that I hadn't drawn any attention to so many of them meaning I hadn't drawn any attention to me for so long. And I hadn't really listened to my inner voice. And it's that voice that we all have that really knows what's the right thing for us to do. And it's that voice that when we put ourselves in a situation in life that is not really aligned with who we are, then it starts to whisper to us. And then it starts to talk, and if we still don't listen, it starts to shout, and then it starts to scream. And I had ignored mine until it screamed. And I really promised myself in that moment that I would never let that happen again. So having had this insight, I was asking myself, so what do I do now? Because having, that, having had that experience in that toxic working environment, I knew all the things I didn't want, but I didn't really know what I wanted. And I see that so often with my clients as well, that they come to me because they feel stuck or, or they feel dissatisfied or they, they can feel it's time for a change but, and, and know all the things that they don't want. But when I ask them what, what they want, they don't really know. And then that's when we start exploring. And that was exactly the same what I did with my coach at the time. So with his help, I started to reconnect with my inner voice and really listening to what it was telling me, asking myself, what is important to me? And what is it that I love to do? And going back, in uh, thinking back in my, my career and my life in general, and really identifying when was I at my best? In those moments, what did I do? When I did something that gave me that feeling of fulfillment, of happiness, of really meaning. And what came up for me is that I love to work in an international context. I love connecting with people, listening to people's stories, and asking questions to find out who they are and what's important to them. And something else that always had always uh, interested me also interested me also was human patterns to understand why we do as we do. Why do, do some people thrive and others struggle? So after having identified those things, it suddenly became clear to me that being a coach, I could combine all those things. And that was such a gift to find out that. It was really... Wow, it was like the lightning stroke. That actually, there was a profession where I could combine all the things that I love the most and at the same time help other people to understand themselves better. So from there, things were really simple because there was only one way forward. And that was to look for the best coaching school I could find. And then I started a few months after. And when I had, uh, as soon as I had, I became certified, I found my, founded my company, JJ Coaching. And that was in 2017. And what I do in my company is 
that I help female expats to create the life of their dreams. And the reason why I coach female expats is because, first of all, because I love it. And secondly, because I find it really important that my clients can identify themselves with me and I with them. So both as a woman, but also as an expat and as someone who has worked for 15 years in an international organization and context with all the pros and cons uh, in that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Maria, for sharing your own uh, story. I think it's really a powerful story, uh, your own path to connect with yourself and to share it now with this uh, female expat. I have a question for you. What are the main or common challenges uh, these women uh, face and would like to solve with your help? Well, the women that come to me typically work for international organizations. It can be NATO, EU, other organizations. It can also be permanent representations to the EU. It can be international companies, etc. And who are they? Well, they are very ambitious. They are hardworking. They have very high expectations to themselves and others. They also often have a very harsh inner critic, actually. They have this great job that they have worked so hard for and that others would kill for. They have the loving family. They have the great friends and the nice place to live. They travel when they want. So on paper, they have everything, but they don't feel happy. It's like something is off and they are, they're longing for something. They have this longing inside for something that they don't know what is. That feeling of missing out, that there's something in their life that, that they are missing out on. So they feel dissatisfied and unhappy. And at the same time, they have some judgment around it because they don't really feel that they can share that with anybody because it, without sounding ungrateful. So the, the solutions that they go for is to do what they know. So they use the strategy that they have, that have worked for them until now in their lives. And that is to, to consider how they can do more and how they can become more. So they concentrate on their career. They consider what should their next career step be? How do I get up the ladder? How can I do more in my current job? How can I get even more efficient to reach even more results? And how can I become even more confident? How do I set boundaries? So, and that's when they come to me. It was really interesting uh, insight uh, about this uh, common belief that we all have as a woman. I would like to know more about your approach as a coach. Could you tell us uh, how does it work actually a coaching with you? Um, many coaches have one or several programs. And then when they get clients, uh, they, they go through that program. What I do is something a bit different. I because I really tailor make my coaching to each single client and really consider which tools would this person really benefit from. And what happens when they contact me is that we set up a free discovery session of 60 minutes, no strings attached, where they tell me about the current situation. And then I coach them on either a problem they have or a goal they want to achieve and also on their next steps. And what we also do in that conversation is that we find out whether we're a good match. And if yes, and we both want to continue, then the client signs up for a package of sessions. And I would like to, to give a taste of what a, a coaching session could look like. So one of my tools um, is a, a coaching six-step coaching model. And so if there's some of your listeners that are considering coaching um, and are wondering what that includes, this could be one scenario. So well, step one is where I ask the client, what do you really want? Uh, and often what a client, the first thing they say that a client say that they want often is not the, 
the thing that they really want. So we, we typically dig deeper to find what is the want underneath the first want. So that is a kind of exploration there in the beginning. And step two, then we talk about what is preventing you from achieving that goal. What's the reason why the person is not there already? What is it that are holding them back? The next step is to find out what motivates you. What is it that drives you? Is it what it would cost you if you don't achieve your goal, if you stay put and you don't change anything? Or is it what it would give you if you achieve it? And is always one or the other. The next step is... What are the limiting beliefs and patterns? So what are the stories that you tell yourself that are not true and where you keep on holding yourself back in different areas of your life? So really digging into that and awareness about our patterns can really be an insight in itself and becoming aware of that those stories that we tell ourselves is just a story but not and not the truth. And then really digging deeper into that and moving on to the next step and see what could a new alternative be. So really finding new supporting patterns and identifying what action do you want to take to integrate them in your life. And then we end by the good ending. So what action do you want to commit to to take until the next session? And what did you learn in today's session? So... That is one of many coaching models that a session could consist of. I work with clients in different ways. One thing is my one-to-one sessions, and that is the main part of my time. A second way to work with clients is in workshop and speeches I do for women networks, and that can either be private networks or women networks within an organization. And another service that I offer is coaching to prepare for job interviews. And that's where clients can buy a session of either two or three hours. And then we really go through the whole interview, training your five minutes presentation of yourself, making a role play of the job interview, working on how you can change your state Uh, right before you go into the interview, and also how can you visualize yourself in the situation beforehand. So that's something you can book if that dream job of yours suddenly gets published and the interview is next week and you really need to be at your best. Then you, you can book such a session. Thank you, Maria. I think you, you gave us like a lot of information about your approach and uh, it's the tailor-made approach and I really like actually this uh, this effort that you that you're making i have actually specific question uh, maybe that the listener have uh, in mind in which language do you work and also do you coach only female expats based in brussels where we live or wherever they are posted i work in english and sometimes in danish and uh, i coach female expats no matter where they're based in the world You refer to a limiting belief and patterns that we'll uh, all have. Uh, could you share with us the main patterns that you observe among the women that you coach? Yes, I work with clients from all over the world. So that means that one day I can have a session with someone from the US, uh, the next day from India, can be Finland, South Korea, and something that really touches my heart again and again is that despite what country we come from, despite how we grew up, despite our culture, our race, our religious belief, our family traditions, and really how we were influenced, it always comes down to the same handful of limiting beliefs. The same things holding us back, the same fears, the same insecurities. And I find that so beautiful and fascinating, how alike we are as human beings, no matter where we come from. And that even in our beliefs and fears, we are united in our diversity. And that also on this point, we can support and we can learn from each other if we are open to it. And 
As regards beliefs, beliefs is something that we all have. We have supporting belief and we have limiting beliefs. And most of our beliefs get created in the early years. And when it comes to the limiting beliefs, they are often the voice of, a, of those people that formed an, an opinion of us, criticized us or judged us or shamed us, that we have internalized. And that has become our inner dialogue over time. That can be the voice of a parent, a teacher, uh, or other important adults in our lives. Another way beliefs can get created is if something happens in the early years of our lives that we give a certain meaning. So we make it mean something about us. And some of the most common beliefs, to get uh, limiting beliefs, to give some examples of that. One that is very common is, I'm not good enough. So actually, I'm not enough. I'm not okay as I am. Something is wrong with me. And other examples are failure and mistakes are bad. And I don't deserve success. I have fear of success. Or others will judge me if I do what it is I want to do. And to give an example of a limiting belief, a limiting belief I had for many years, all the way until my early 30s, was that I was saying to myself that silence for too long is bad. And I, had to, I have to say something to make the situation pleasant and to make the other person feel good. So I lived that belief for years, you know, with colleagues, with strangers, with acquaintances, that I would make sure that when they spoke with me, the conversation was flowing well. And if silence came, and I'm not talking one, two seconds, you know, but several seconds of silence, when that came, I would come up with a new topic or a question or whatever came to mind. And I did that for so many years until one day where I came home and I, there have been a big reception at work and I've spoken with a lot of different people that I didn't know very well. And I'd done that thing again. And I was, I was frustrated and tired. And I said to myself, but why was it always me that have to make that extra effort and make the conversation run smoothly? And then it dawned on me, I don't have to do that. I don't have to take responsibility for anyone else's well-being. I'm talking to another grown-up who is as capable as me to take responsibility for themselves and their part of the conversation. So I asked myself, what happened if I didn't talk in those situations? If I just stay quiet, then what? And I started to experiment with that, with staying quiet. And did I bite my tongue a few times in the beginning? Yes, absolutely. But I kept on going and it worked. And I was really amazed how my conversation with people changed from that point. Because suddenly there were more room for reflection and interactions from both sides. And that was really a game changer for me. And I find it quite interesting that, that that belief, which actually comes down to, I have to entertain, be nice, be sweet, be interesting to be liked, is so common, and particularly for women. Because for many, it's what we are raised and praised to do, to be nice. And when I've given workshops to women networks, and I've told the above story, and ask whether someone recognized that situation and that belief. When I look around the room, 90% of the women in the room, they have this little smile and they're nodding their heads because they recognize it. And one of the things that it had given me to overcome that limiting belief is that silence is not a trigger for me anymore because now I give it a different meaning. It has become something safe and familiar for me now. So what I do, for example, is to use silence as one of the many tools in my coaching sessions. So asking the client a question, 
and letting them sit with that for as long as necessary without any interruptions. And really giving a person that the silence, the, that stillness around their process and really let them sit with it is something that can lead to the biggest insights many times. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I totally agree uh, with you, Maria. Uh, letting space for silence is really powerful. Uh, on my side, I learned it actually through meditation and after some uh, regular practice, I can tell now that things become clearer to me and I can really feel and see what is important uh, to me or not. So it becomes a kind of uh, guidance and to listen to my own inner voice. So talking about inner voice, I would love to hear your own insights on how to listen to it. Yes, absolutely. So we have two inner voices. We have our inner critic, that is our ego, and our inner loving voice. And the job of the inner critic is to warn us when we approach the border of our comfort zone. And the way it does that is by telling and repeating our limiting beliefs. The inner loving voice is our inner wisdom. And that's where we meet ourselves with love and compassion and And that's where we can get all the answers that we are looking for, if we are ready to listen. What happens for many of us, in particular women, is that we let the inner critic become very loud and harsh. And so loud that we can't hear our inner loving voice anymore. So when that happens, the question is, how do we turn down the volume of the inner critic and turn up the volume of the inner loving voice? One way to do that, that I use myself and also recommend to my client, is to really accept our inner critic and listen to it with compassion and also try to understand what is it that it's trying to warn me against? What's the fear? What is it that it's afraid will happen? And when you get clear on that, then identify what's most important to me here. Is it the fear of what I want to avoid, or is it to achieve my goal? And if it's to achieve your goal, then simply say to your inner critic, thank you for watching out for me. I've got this. Another way of doing it is an exercise called flip it over, where you write down the most common phrases of your inner critic over some days, you know, the phrases that comes up again and again. And for each phrase, you find the positive opposite and then start saying that to yourself instead. So that's another way that you can quiet your inner critic down and turn up for the volume of your inner loving voice. You refer to concrete uh, exercise, and actually my next question is maybe it would be also useful for the audience uh, listening. If you could share maybe one or two practical exercises that you give to your clients to help them get out of this uh, patterns. Yes, absolutely. The Exercises I will share are both short and easy to use. Because what I see time after time is it's really the short exercises done consistently that have the greatest impact. The first exercise consists of three individual questions where you can choose the one that resonates most with you and try it on in your life. And the second exercise is one of my favorite ones, and it's called uh, my unworthy list. So starting with the first exercise, these three individual questions are questions that we can use to catch ourselves in our patterns and in our limiting beliefs. It's questions I use myself. It's questions that I use with my clients, that I ask my clients to use between sessions. And the first question is, do you come from fear or love right now? You can use these questions in many different situations. One of them is if you're about to do something that just feels right. Something self-loving, self-honoring, and you can just feel in your gut feeling that it's the right thing to do. But it feels scary. Maybe it's the first time you will do it. Maybe it's something you will do in another way than you usually do it. So you have that feeling of being, it being a bit scary. 
So your ego helps you to create a lot of excuses why you shouldn't do it. Maybe now is not a good time. Maybe you shouldn't do it at all. Maybe you should do something instead, etc. So the way you come back to yourself and what feels right is that you ask yourself this question. Do I come from fear or love right now? And if the answer is fear, then you ask yourself, what would it look like if I came from love? What would I do then? And then you do that. The second question is, what else is true? It's a question by Byron Katie. And a situation where you can use this is if you're making assumptions. If, if someone said something to you and it said, well, she only says that because. So when we create stories where we don't really have the facts to back it up, then you take a step back and you ask yourself, what else is true? And you can even make it into a competition with yourself where you continue, what else is true? What else? What else? What else? Because when you create these different perspectives of the situation that you're in the middle of, it shows you that what you told yourself originally was just one truth, but not the truth. And that helps you to see the whole situation differently. The third question is, what would be possible for you if you didn't believe that story? And what might you do differently? Imagine a situation where you feel stuck and you're telling yourself, wow, this is so difficult. How will I finish that? How will I even do this? And that's when you take a step back and you ask yourself this question. And remember, the story here is what you're saying to yourself, that this is difficult. So you ask yourself, what would be possible for me if I didn't believe that this was difficult? What might I do differently? So in this case, you could say, what might I do differently if this was easy? And that's where you open to other possibilities, right? So that's where the inspiration comes in. That's where all the new ideas come. You help yourself to change the meaning you have given to that situation you're in. So really try these questions on if you want. Take the one that resonates most with you and really try it on in your life and see what happens. The second tool is, as I mentioned, called my unworthy list. And it consists of one question, and that is, what have you decided you're worthy of? Alternatively, what have you decided you deserve? Ask yourself this question and really let it land within you. And things you can consider are, are you worthy of being happy? Are you worthy of love? Are you worthy of being seen? Are you worthy of being respected? And I'm sure many other things will come up when you ask yourself that question. So as things come up, really write them all down on a list. And um, if more physical things comes up, for example, I deserve a big car. I deserve nice holidays. I deserve getting my dream job. Then find out what achieving or getting that thing would make you feel. And then that's what you write on the list. And when you're done and have written everything that came up, take that list and put it somewhere in your house where you see it many times a day and at least once a day, read it through from A to Z and keep on adding new things as they come up. And then you, over time, you will see how the list evolves because it becomes so concrete when we can look at it, you know, our, our idea of what we are worthy of. So try it out and see what happens. And this exercise is really, is, is one you can use with your kids as well. Uh, and depending on how old the kids are, you can simplify the question a bit. So instead of asking, what have you decided you're worthy of? You just ask, what are you worthy of? Or alternatively, what do you deserve? And then inspire them to say everything that comes to mind. For example, I deserve love. I deserve to be seen. I deserve to be respected. I deserve to be heard. I deserve to be happy. And et cetera, et cetera. What, 
whatever comes up. And uh, this exercise, you can do it anywhere. You can do it in front of the mirror with your kid. You can use it face-to-face. You can use it at night before you tuck them in. And when we do that kind of exercise, this exercise, similar exercises, in addition to give them all our love, and when we do it on a frequent basis where we really feed their worthiness and inspire them to see that they're worthy of anything, it can change their lives, change the way they feel about themselves, change the way they feel about their body, change what they say to themselves, what they say to them to others about themselves, and also change how they see the world around them and their own place in that world. So taking home our worthiness is really one of the most beautiful and loving gifts we can give both our kids and ourselves. Thank you very much for for sharing these inspiring tools. And uh, there's a lot of homework to do. And I'm eager actually to do some of the the free exercises uh, that you propose. Uh, That's really really actually very nice uh, from you to share share your um, tools. I would like now to uh, to discuss about the current situation that we all experience with COVID. This new normal has a real impact on our daily life, on our professional life, on our life as a woman. So I would like to ask you how COVID has impacted the life of your female clients. What is your perception about it? Yes, this last year have have been so many different things. It has been heartbreaking. It has been difficult. It has been new. It has been revolutionary. It has been so many things for all of us. But what it has also done is that it has given us a forced break away from the office. I'm not saying a forced break away from work because definitely not. People have... We have all been working very hard um, and for many really juggling all the different things at home with homeschooling kids and work, working at the same time. And really that have really been a, a challenge for many people. So, but it has given us this forced break away from the office. And what I see that that have done for many people is that, and, and more specifically for my clients, is that what was present for them before have become stronger. So any doubts they had about their job, am I in the right position? Is it time to move? Where should I move to? What am I good at? How do I communicate it? What are my strengths? Or thoughts on their work-life balance. For example, I have now I have proven that I can perform as well from home as from the office. So do I want to spend as many hours in the office as before COVID when when I come back? Or how could I spend more time with my kids and still live up to my own very high standards? And for others, maybe an old dream of living a very different life has appeared. Do I want to go back or should I do something completely different? Do I have the courage? And who am I actually? if I don't have my job? You know, so, so many questions and, and so many reflections of life and it had really started a, a whole process of questioning for many is my impression. And what's also my impression is that the line between work and private life has become much more blurry during this time. We tend to be available online a lot and at very different times depending on whether we have kids to homeschool or we have organized our life in a way so we work mainly in afternoons and evenings Um, and this means that requests and questions are sent out at all times during the day during the evening sometimes late at night and for many high performers a request means immediate action So receiving requests at all times, also in the evenings and at night, means being online and ready to take action at all times. And this can be rather stressful. 
what I have noticed is that many international organizations and companies are currently redefining how work life will be for their staff in the future by decreasing the number of offices, building new office spaces, changing procedures and processes to accommodate uh, more teleworking, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And to make that transition satisfactory, both for the staff and employers, one of the things that in my view needs to be established is very clear guidelines on when and how we work together online. And there's also many things we can do ourselves to create well-being at work. So one way is to set clear boundaries about uh, around when we will be available. And that we can, for example, do with a couple of lines under our electronic signature and our emails about when are you available, how often do you take your, your voicemail, et cetera, et cetera. The way you do it doesn't really matter. The most important thing is to do it. Yeah, John, you on on, uh, on your analysis, and it's so important to set up clearly your priorities, your needs, and to stick actually to, to your priorities as well and to express it at work. Um, you refer, you know, um, uh, before to this essential work to, to, to make on this uh, limiting belief, and um, I'm and I imagine it's a, it's a lot of commitment from your clients. Um, it would be interesting to know maybe how you qualify of the impact of your coaching on this woman as a professional, but also as a woman. Yeah. As I mentioned previously, when the women come to me, they have all on paper, but they don't really feel happy. So something is off and they're longing for something they don't know what is. And when we feel like that, it's typically because there's some kind of disconnection inside. A disconnection between the person we tell ourselves that we are and the person who we really are. It's also a disconnection between head and heart slash gut feeling. So what I help them with is to get connected to themselves, to get to understand themselves better. Because it's when we come from the whole us, that's when we can feel our needs, our values, our dreams, our courage. And that's also when we dare to show our vulnerability. And that's really also when we stand in our light and we are true to ourselves and therefore ultimately get to feel that feeling of true happiness. So the impact of my coaching is that my clients get to connect to themselves. And how I I often see and hear from clients that that manifests as a professional is that they become more confident. They become better at setting boundaries. They become better at prioritizing, better at communicating their needs and having the courage also to make radical changes when needed. And as a woman, the impact is all of the above. It's getting connected to yourself. It's falling in love with yourself. It's knowing yourself worth being courageous. It's knowing your limits, your, your limits and limiting patterns. And also identifying new supporting patterns, self-loving patterns, empowering patterns, and integrate them in your life. A concrete example was a client that came to me to update her CV and LinkedIn profile. And what she ended up doing was to change her working life completely by acting on her dream. In the, our first session together, I asked her to describe her life, how it would look like five years later. And I asked her to describe that in the present tense. And exactly what she had described to me in that session, she had created one and a half years later. Th thank you, Maria. For people who are listening, I would like to connect with you. Could you tell us where we can find you or follow you? Yes, sure. So to know more about me and my coaching, listeners can contact me directly on, uh, on email, by email on contact at jj-coaching.eu or simply on Messenger on my name, Maria Louise Jutison Jorgensen. And that's also where they can book a 60 minutes free discovery session with me. 
And it's possible to follow me on Instagram, that's on JJ Coaching, or LinkedIn and Facebook uh, by my name, Maria Louise Eustace Jorgensen. Anyway, I, I will give the details in, uh, in the description of a podcast. As you know, I always uh, I really enjoy actually uh, ending an interview with some inspirational question. You've been already inspirational in what you <laughs> sa said to us, but I think uh, I have actually two questions. One is, do you have any books or persons who inspire you in your work and especially on the topic of well-being at work? A book I'm reading right now is a book called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And I love that book because it's a beautiful example of a woman that after many, many years of numbing and distracting herself, as so many of us does, right? Distracting ourselves by, with our phone, with our computer, with our, with organizing things all the time and never really creating those moments where we are alone with ourselves. But after many, many years of numbing and distracting herself in different ways, she finds a way home to herself and really establishing that connection to herself, feeling her feelings. So going through them, not around them and listening to our heart and gut feeling and really living from that place. And the most beautiful part is that she, she's so clear about her journey and can really articulate every single step of it and the thoughts and beliefs she had along the way. And I must say, I read a lot. And it's really rare that a book moves me like this one does. She's a beautiful soul and an amazing writer. I highly recommend it. And regarding other person that inspire me, wow, there, there are so many. But if I should mention a few, particularly linked to well-being at work and also wholehearted leadership in organizations and companies, uh, it would be Brené Brown and her book, Dare to Lead, and also her news podcast, uh, also called Dare to Lead. And probably many know Brené Brown already. For those who don't, she's a researcher that have been researching uh, vulnerability, shame and belonging for many years. And she got famous uh, when she did a TED Talk years ago in Houston. And that can be found on YouTube. That's a great introduction to her work. Another person I would like to mention is uh, Simon Sinek. And uh, for example, he, he has written several books, but a very good one is um, Starting With Why. And another resource that comes to mind actually is a podcast called uh, Coaching for Leaders, where it is interviews with leaders, coaches, and experts on leadership, on dynamics in, in uh, organizations and companies. And it's, it has that coaching approach, and it's, it's, it's really interesting. I do share with you a Bernie Brown and Simon Sinek reference, and many thanks for the book and also this uh, podcast on, uh, on leadership. I, I will check on it. I have a last question. Do you have any mantra guiding you that you would like to share with us? Yes, absolutely. My own mantra is live with your heart. And what that reminds me is to is always to slow down is to check in with myself and is to get grounded and get centered and another mantra i would love to mention is or is rather a quote actually is um, by maya angelo and it goes like this people won't remember what you said people won't remember what you did but people will always remember how you make them feel And I find that that mirrors beautifully another important point of what we talked about, that when we are connected to ourselves, that thriving for perfection and worries about what others think of us, it isn't, they aren't important anymore because we just are. We are honest to ourselves and others about who we are and how we feel. And also we dare to be vulnerable. We dare to ask for help. We dare to admit when we, are, when we aren't right. And we dare to admit when we are not fine. And what that does to the people around us is that it makes them feel safe and also inspires them to open up too and show vulnerability and all of the things that I just mentioned. So being connected to ourselves offers us also an amazing opportunity to deepen our relationships 
and get to another level of connection with others, both at work and in our personal life. Well, thank you so much, Maria, for, um, I was a very good listener, <laughs> for this really dense, <laughs> converse, uh, very dense, very rich conversation, um, a lot to pick up for growing your confidence, connecting with yourself as a woman, as a professional. I will end this interview by taking some of my Angelo quote that you just referred to. Thank you, Maria, for what you said. You made us feel inspired today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for letting me connect with your audience. Merci beaucoup d'avoir écouté ce nouvel épisode de Pacify Your Mind en compagnie de Maria. Elle nous a partagé ici son parcours de professionnel au sein des institutions européennes et surtout ce moment clé où elle ne se sentait plus alignée avec ses valeurs et avec elle-même. Maria nous a également partagé comment elle est devenue coach de vie et coach professionnel pour femmes expatriées. Elle dresse ici le portrait de ces femmes qu'elle coach. Ce sont des femmes qui travaillent majoritairement dans un milieu international, à des postes à responsabilité, de grandes travailleuses. Tout est parfait sur le papier et pourtant, quelque chose manque. Même si nous venons de pays de cultures différentes, nous rencontrons toutes, selon elles, les mêmes peurs ou pensées limitantes. Par exemple, je ne suis pas assez, je ne mérite pas de succès et tant d'autres. Elle nous a proposé ici une session de coaching avec des exercices bien ciblés pour trouver ses forces, ses valeurs, prendre confiance en soi, écouter sa petite voix intérieure et surtout développer beaucoup de bienveillance envers soi-même. Maria ici nous aide à connecter notre mental avec notre cœur et trouver du sens dans ce que nous faisons. Sa citation favorite pour conclure est de Maya Angelou. « Les gens oublieront ce que vous avez dit, ils oublieront ce que vous avez fait, mais n'oublieront jamais » ce que vous leur avez fait ressentir. Si cela vous parle ou vous inspire, n'hésitez pas à suivre Maria ou à prendre contact avec elle pour commencer ce travail d'introspection. Et pour suivre les aventures de Pacify Your Mind, je vous encourage à vous abonner pour ne rater aucun des nouveaux épisodes. Je fais ce podcast avec beaucoup de cœur et de passion. Vos messages m'encouragent énormément. Je vous invite également à mettre un commentaire sur Apple Podcast car c'est le meilleur moyen de le faire connaître auprès d'autres professionnels expatriés comme vous. Retrouvez-moi sur mes comptes Adeline Torcol, LinkedIn et Instagram. À très vite